Hello and welcome to this week's A Photographic Life. In the last week, uh, I watched a program presented by Jim Moyer, perhaps better known as Vic Reeves, the comedian um, and I suppose artist as well. And uh, he's been doing a series of programs uh, I've been checking out on the BBC over the last um, year or so, I think. Um, I watched one on the Dada movement, which was... Um, particularly surreal and appropriate to Jim, and uh, also one on the Bauhaus and their teaching. And in the last week, I watched one that he'd presented for the BBC on the history of video art. And uh, not only did it remind me of um, some of the work that I'd seen previously in my personal art education, but it also brought up a couple of key points that I thought we'd discuss this week. Therefore, this week's sponsor comes from that oeuvre, Perhaps the grandfather of video art, Nam June Paik, is this week's sponsor. The future is now. That's what Nam June Paik said. And I have to say, I kind of agree with him. Um, in the last week, uh, a couple of things have happened. One, uh, my book, The uh, New Ways of Seeing, the Democratic Language of Photography um, is finally on sale. It's been on pre-sale up until this point. Now you can actually get a copy yourself. So um, obviously I recommend that. And also I turned 55. I'm not sure I'd recommend that. But anyway, it always brings, every birthday brings around that kind of sense of um, reflection, I suppose. And one of the key things that um, I address in the book, in the new ways of seeing, is to, to kind of dealing with that idea of the influence and the impact that technology has on our work and how photography as a medium has really been led, I suppose, by that uh, technology. And that's what it kind of ties to that video art. If you look at video art, it really came from the availability of specific types of camera ways of recording and ways of showing. And as they, those ways, those, those tools became available, so the work began to be created really starting in, in the mid-1960s and, and coming obviously right through until today, where we're in, at a point where video art is not something that we are surprised to see within the gallery or the museum context. Of course, we're also seeing video art all of the time uh, being created by photographers because that work is appearing on social media platforms, in Vimeo, on YouTube, and that idea of moving image uh, has really, there's been this kind of convergence. Convergence, there's a word I used to use an awful lot nine or so years ago when photographers first had that button on their camera that they rarely seem to use. It's that one you press that makes film. Same kind of possibilities available on your smartphone as well. So we're now in a situation whereby that technology is available to us. And I'm really positive about that. And as I, I had a conversation a good few years ago now with a good friend of mine, photographer Jake Chesham, um, based in New York. And Jake said, well, why wouldn't I press anything that's going to help my creativity? And I kind of thought, yeah, that's about as simple an explanation as you need. So um, the book deals with that idea of technology and I suppose that kind of uh, taking on and using technology to our own benefit, our own creativity. 
a lot of negativity always around Instagram and smartphones and that photography isn't what it was. And, you know, a lot of people feel down and beaten down by that. And I understand that. I've been around long enough. My 55th birthday um, was also a time for me to look back and realise that I've been involved with professional photography now for 35 years. So I've certainly lived right through that revolution. But I'm not beaten down by where photography is now. I am questioning, and I think, I don't think I have an answer. But certainly in the book, uh, there are a number of questions put forward there. And perhaps there are some, not necessarily answers, but there are some ideas that may be worth just kind of exploring. On the back of all of that, I wrote an article for the United Nations of Photography a a week or so ago um, about the backlit image. And um, if you really are interested in exploring where we are today with computational photography and where photography as a medium is, particularly our engagement with it, I kind of point you in that direction, which it's an article which I suppose deals with that idea of the photographic image today being a digital stained glass window and the impact and the, the, the reason why stained glass windows were created, really, I suppose, and what the intention behind them was. And the kind of, um, I suppose, the, the similarities that are there between the stained glass window and the way in which we now look so often at photography um, as a backlit image on an LED screen. So interesting from my perspective, I suppose, to look back on that. And and I hope also from yours, I really don't, I find it very difficult to um, respond to people who are so negative about where photography is, because I really want to kind of give them a little bit of a shake and say, yeah, but you know what? Everything changes. That's actually what we should be responding to. We can't keep hanging on to where we were. We need to move forward. And if that means that as photographers, our role as visual storytellers changes, then so be it. I was just talking a moment there about convergence. The idea of convergence was 10 years or so ago with the, I'm going to talk about a camera, goodness. Canon 5D Mark II came out and suddenly uh, filmmakers were grabbing hold of it to use it because they recognised all the different lenses that that gave them an option to use. Photographers on the whole didn't really embrace it in the same way that filmmakers did. Now here we are, 10 years later, I wonder how many of you listening to this podcast have even explored that idea of uh, creating moving image. I wonder how many of you are really looking at computational photography and how many of you are thinking about that role you could have rather than that role that you did have. I hope I didn't come over too evangelical and preaching uh, just then, but um, it is something I feel really strongly about and it's something I feel needs to be spoken about. Talking about speaking, um, we welcome this week uh, Stephen Dupont to What Does Photography Mean to Me? Stephen uh, was born in Sydney, Australia in 1967 and over the past two decades has produced a body of work documenting marginalised peoples. 
a body of work that has earned him a Robert Kappa Gold Medal citation in 2005 and the Olivier Rebot Award from the Overseas Press Club of America in 2015, a Bayer War Correspondence Prize and the first place in the World's Press Photo Pictures of the Year competition and Leica CCP Documentary Award. In 2007, he was the recipient of the W. Eugene Smith Grant for Humanistic Photography for his ongoing project on Afghanistan. And in 2010, he received the Gardner Fellowship at Harvard's Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Ethnology. His work has been featured in The New Yorker, Aperture, Time, GQ, Esquire, Geo, Le Figaro, Liberation, The Smithsonian, The Sunday Times Magazine, New York Times, Vanity Fair. You get the picture. DuPont has held major exhibitions in London, Paris, New York, Sydney, Tokyo and Shanghai and at Perpignan's Visapur Limage. His handmade photographic artistic books and portfolios are in some of the world's leading collections, including the National Gallery of Australia, National Library of Australia and the New York Public Library, Stanford University and Yale University. He's a Canon master and frequently lectures and performs keynotes, masterclasses and workshops in Australia and around the world. He currently resides in Sydney with his family, where he works on assignments and long-term projects as a photographer, artist, and yes, documentary filmmaker. What does photography mean to me? I'll need to rewind back in time to my late teens when I first laid eyes on the war photographs by a British photographer by the name of Don McCullen. As I was flicking through the photography section in a second-hand bookshop in Sydney, the bookseller handed me a battered copy of the destruction business and said to me, I think you might like this one. Well, my life changed forever. I was immediately struck by the power and rawness of his photographs. They were a kind of Goyer-esque impression of humanity. They invited me to look deeper into them and search around the compositions, taking in the harsh light and shadows and rich blacks. They were black and white photographs. What struck me was the power of each photograph. It was a kind of embalming of time. Each one an individual moment and story. They were strangely beautiful. They were shocking and they were evidence of war. They were not the usual war photographs I'd seen before. They were gritty and imperfect and they were full of horror, but also compassion. You could feel that this observer of darkness was a concerned human being. He cared about his subjects. They were anti-war photographs and they grabbed you by the throat and they made you feel what was going on in them. Like a kind of a crime scene that placed you inside the story, allowing you to unmask all its clues. McCullen's gaze was unique and unforgiving and I, I couldn't look away. I wanted to be a photographer at that very instant. I went in search of his other books and discovered a whole new world. I discovered the world that would open my mind to creativity and consume me. I discovered photography and it would rule my life. I felt that I could create photographs that would have meaning and a sense of history. Photography became my passport to see the world around me and to immerse myself in its events, culture and society. I was drawn to photograph people and the streets. 
It may have been McCullen that opened the doors of my vision, but it was looking at the photographs taken by people like Evans, Kudelka, Winogrand and Frank that showed me what true and magical, imperfect moments of photography could bring. I mean, these masters of the eye shot in black and white and they all shot film. My mission was to take the art of street photography into the world of news and documentary coverage. Photography is the satisfaction I get when I look through my developed rolls of film and I discover the moments I think I have and those I don't. There is nothing more exciting than scrolling over the film strips through a loop and being surprised by a great moment that appears in front of me. It's a unique way of seeing the world and no one sees it like me. My contact sheets are storyboards and diaries and like mini films, they unravel the people I see and the places I go to. They're my visual poems for my audience and they're my memory too. I feel gifted and my emotions run wild with excitement, with fear, love, laughter and always surprise. Now I understand what Don McCullen meant when he once said, if I can't feel my own photographs, no one else will either. Thank you, Stephen, for a really passionate and evocative uh, contribution this week. A few things picking up uh, on there. Um, and in fact, something I think which connects directly to um, last week's podcast as well. That idea last week we were talking about somebody being given a camera and how that camera coming out of nowhere really sort of starts to become this kind of key to a new world and changes our life. There you go, Stephen talking about somebody showing him a Don McCullum book, that simple gesture opening up a new world of possibilities for him. You know, that's incredibly powerful. And anybody who's listening to this podcast who's involved in education or mentoring in any way, I suppose that's what we all really hope for, is that we say something or we show something which opens up a door for somebody that really transforms their their way of thinking so that for me really interesting also referencing goya there i often talk about and in fact i was talking to the photographer david eustace the other day and he was talking about how important it is to look at painting within portraiture and to not perceive that idea that portrait photography is this new thing and it isn't portrait creation goes right back in time and I suppose again that connects with that idea of what we're talking about at the beginning of technology that idea that technology gives us new ways of expressing our creativity but the foundation and the basis remains there in the people the makers who came before us Stephen also there talking about some of the greats of photography, the icons of photography. So important to know your history and to know the history of the medium. It really does surprise me. Actually, it shocks me sometimes when I talk to young photographers and they don't know the names of photographers' um, work, who are, are the people, the makers who made the big jumps forward, I suppose, within our medium. So often I met with the answer that I haven't got a very good memory. That's really not an excuse for me. Not remembering is kind of not caring. And I think that's a really important point to pick up from there. And at the beginning, I was talking about the idea of moving image. And there, Stephen uses that um, 
that similarity, I suppose, of the uh, the contact sheet with the storyboard. And that's certainly something I've spoken about on many occasions over the, the past 10 years or so, actually, since we were talking about convergence. That idea of the contact sheet being a storyboard is almost uh, a film with the links missing, but how many of us have gone through a contact sheet by another photographer? We've looked at it and we've got a sense of where they went, what kind of a journey they took, what were they looking at? That's such an important kind of insight to narrative. And so really, if we look at it from that perspective, it really is a very, very small jump from the idea of the, the sequential still image to the sequential moving image. It introduces all sorts of different thought processes and practice, really. You know, the, the introduction of sound, of recording, of collaboration with teams, all of that does come with it. But that base understanding that actually the moving image is just a step forward from the still image, I personally think would open up a lot of uh, potential for photographers at the moment who are finding themselves a little bit stuck with how their work progresses forward and also, I suppose, where they fit in general within the, the larger uh, creative indu industries um, environment. So technology being important, the history being important, and I suppose really that passion, that enthusiasm for the subject being so important also. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, another plug, I'm afraid, for my book, but um, New Ways of Seeing by me. I, I very rarely say who I am by the, on the podcast, by the way. My name is Grant Scott. So if you put my name into um, search engines, um, the dreaded uh, Amazon, or uh, hopefully you'll be able to get my books from independent booksellers as well, or from libraries. So you can put Grant Scott, and that's Scott with two T's. And the book is New Ways of Seeing the Democratic Language of Photography. And that is available now. It picks up on a number of issues that we do discuss in the podcast and actually picks up on a number of the issues that Stephen contributed this week uh, to the podcast with. So that's kind of where we are at the end of this um this episode. As I say, I'm now 55 years old and um, it seems appropriate at that point and at this point to finish the podcast with a final contribution from uh, this week's podcast sponsor, Namjoon Paik. There is no rewind button for life. Take care. Mm -hmm.